0: Make the same no brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast, Maiden, is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the. We're people of the Kulin Nation and we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present and immersion and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities.
1: This podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F word so it's not really suitable for children.
0: Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right. This is a language warning. Oh, shit.
1: Thanks again, Mandy and Kate. And hello, peas. I have to tell you, I am smiling. Can you hear it in my voice that I'm smiling? I used to do a course in uh, using a microphone once, and apparently it makes a difference to the sound of your voice if you're smiling on it, and I know that applies when you're singing too, but I'm not doing it just to make my voice sound good, I'm doing it because I'm smiling, I really am, it is so nice to be talking to you again, I'm chuffed to be back in your ears right now, I just picture some of you as I'm talking here, and it makes me smile, so... Thanks for the opportunity to be doing this and thank you so much for listening wherever you are and whatever you're doing. What are you doing? What are you doing right now? Maybe you're driving home from a, another one of those bloody appointments. I hope it went well. Um, some go better than others, don't they? Or maybe you're hanging up the washing, cleaning up the latest mess around the house. I don't know. Hopefully this next hour of listening will help make that chore a little bit less tedious. Maybe you've been lucky enough to bribe someone to get an hour or so to yourself so that you can sit back with a cuppa and take in a podcast. Glad to be joining you. Or maybe you're out for your walk. I know some of you peas put your, your ear, earbuds in when you go for a walk. So maybe you're out getting some fresh air, which does remind me of something that made me laugh. I have to tell you this. Um, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but about three weeks ago, um, The COVID minister in New Zealand was doing a presser. You know, he was doing his usual daily uh, announcements and so on. And I don't know if you've ever stood in front of a bank of microphones and cameras. It's really nerve wracking and it's easy to mess up what you're saying and sort of, you know, slip up. And he did. Poor old Chris Hipkins. He was talking about people going out during lockdown for exercise and making sure that they kept their distance from each other. And he said, I know that's difficult when there's a lot of people around, when you go outside to sh- to spread your legs. And the health minister standing next to him obviously heard what he'd said and was, was choking back a bit of a grin, you know, and um, he then heard it in his own head, I imagine, that that's what he had just said. And he kept going bravely towards the end he said now I'm going to go and stretch my legs and you can all have fun with me later but I have to say it was a rare moment of enjoyment for me poor old bloke telling everybody to go out and spread their legs whatever you're doing if you're out and about if you're in the house thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this time with us as much as we have enjoyed recording it I'm talking to you on another beautiful spring day on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland no lockdown here at the moment and you know it's it's almost hard to even say that to you when uh, I know that so many of you still are So, so you know it's not boasting there's nothing smug about it that's for sure it could change any day now and it just kind of is hard to even say well we're not in lockdown but I know you are so big love to you um let's keep Uh, keep our eyes on the future because we're moving towards a better one is all we can hope you really are going above and beyond the above and beyond that would make a good motto for your family crest if you're coming up with a family crest you could put it in latin even even going above and beyond the above and beyond not bad now i i i'm prattling here let's get to this i've always wanted to say back by popular demand you know so i'm about to say it back by popular demand uh i'm back in the studio in my bedroom to pick up a conversation i started with a fantastic p dad for the father's day episode not so long ago and i should probably mention that he's not in my bedroom he he's in his bedroom right so not that there's anything wrong with that but just to make sure you know that Anyway, so um, those of you who caught the testosterone-laden balls-to-the-wall episode will remember Trevor, and I'm delighted to say that Trevor has agreed to come back, and I know that's not easy with the routine and all of the things that are going on at his place, so we're very grateful for that. He's back, so we can continue our chat, and it's all my fault because of my poor interviewing skills that we didn't really get anywhere near as far as we really wanted to last time, so we're going to try and pick up some of that now and fill in some of the things that we were that we weren't able to talk about last time. Um, For those of you who missed the Father's Day episode you can always pick it up sometime you know you could pause this and go back there now if you want but if you'd rather not let me just fill you in on what you missed. So in 2013 Trevor and his lovely family moved from Darwin to the Sunshine Coast not for the beaches or the mountains but for the necessity of accessing specialist health and therapy services uh, and i'm sure many of you can relate to that motivation for moving trev grew up in rural victoria on a farm he left school a bit early even though he was doing well academically to become a shearer and a wool classer on his farm and then all around australia he has five kids including nine-year-old twin boys with cerebral palsy And he is now, and has been for quite a few years now, a full-time stay-at-home dad and carer. Now, when we spoke last, Trevor told us about his identical twin boys. He doesn't mind that we're mentioning their names, Alex and Jim, who underwent laser surgery in the womb at 19 weeks to correct twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. The boys were subsequently delivered by emergency Caesar just short of 27 weeks. Alex weighing in at 830 grams and Jim at 470. So Trev and his wife took up residence nearby the hospital while the boys spent almost the next 150 days, that's around five months in the NICU, proving to the world that they were determined to stick around. G'day Trev. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, I'm good mate thank you for asking and I'm just thrilled that you've you've agreed to this and that you're able to carve out some time to do it. That's my pleasure. Okay We obviously left off our conversation with a lot of ground still to cover because of my brilliant you know <laughs> interviewing skills. Um, so so some of the uh, some of the peas um, you know rose up as one, and uh clamored for more and they said you know they wanted to know a little bit more about that NICU experience and they especially wanted to know about how things have gone for you you know over these last nine years or so and what's going on at your place now so let's do it that way and we'll just uh, see how much we can get through in the next uh hour or so 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 we touched on the NICU experience a bit um and, you know, five months, man, I, I don't even know where to begin to to know what to ask you. So I thought what we might do just to get ourselves started is for me to ask you, do you have one enduring memory or maybe a couple um, of that time in that sacred space of the Niku that has really stayed with you?
2: Oh, well, there's, there's probably a few. Um unfortunately they're never the really awesome milestones it's always the the bad news that sticks with you well, so that's fine uh, whatever
1: whatever's stuck with you let let's just hear it because you know it's an experience some of us have had in part and some of us have had very similar but but many of us have not so just would be interested to know you know looking back on it now after these years what what memories come to the surface
2: yeah okay it's um I think the, the memories that are most dominant when we talk about this is unfortunately the, the darker days when we learn about Alex's uh, likely diagnosis. Um, the injury that appeared on the ultrasound was, um, was was something that took a little while to, to chew through to, to nut out in my head because he was supposed to be the big fat, healthy, twin of the two and uh and mm. this wasn't supposed to be happening to him it's not, not in my mind anyway mm. um yeah we were given that uh our best outcome if you remember the conversation before was that we'd get one healthy and and all of a sudden they were looking at us telling us going well neither of your twins are going to be uh mm. Mm. Yep. healthy now and uh so then you've got to deal through that that unmet expectation. Um, and, and your heart just breaks. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, just, it's not a nice place to be in. Um, I guess another one is the number of times that we walked into that room and little Jimmy was uh, the only times that we saw him out of his box in the first three weeks or probably longer were the times that they were trying to arouse him and get him going again after he'd uh, Mostly given up the fight. Mm, Yeah. And so, walking into the room and seeing your little boy Mm. with a dozen people standing around him, you know, doing what they can uh, and as much as they can um, to to keep him in this world is, uh, it it takes its toll on you. It's, It's really quite difficult. And that happened time and time again. It happened many times, many, many times in the first few weeks. Yeah. It was it was so close he, hmm. he he really hadn't he really didn't declare himself for oh goodness probably a couple of months and then it was still no guarantee you,
1: you must have come across other parents during that time did you interact with other parents at all
2: yeah we did yeah how um, was that how was that other, I guess their stories were similar and different all at the same time hmm. it, it was it was good to have other people un, that understood some of the journey that you were going through, especially mm. staying in Ronald McDonald House and the and the directly available uh, accommodation where those places are specifically for families that are going through a uh, tough time with their kids. And so we're all in somewhat of a similar boat, even though our stories were different. Yeah, so, so did
1: you get to interact a little bit? Did you get to to be there for each other as much as you could, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, we did. We mm. certainly shared stories i mm. guess the sharing of the stories is where the the healing comes from because that cross from sharing it story becomes acceptance that that is your story and and that you've got to keep moving forward so um i don't think there was so much uh a strong friendship grown as you know so sort of for people that you just go and lean on at, at your uh, lower moments but um, we were all there for each other if we needed each other, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Something else you remember?
1: What's something else?
2: Uh, I guess it's each stage that Jimmy especially managed to um, achieve. So every little stage was a was a huge milestone, uh, going from a ventilator onto uh, this newfangled. Nipu uh, uh, machine that that was there was um, a cross between um, CPAP and ventilation and then on to, to CPAP yeah. and then on to high flow oxygen um, and then I guess finally getting out of there not actually uh, not actually having graduated into special care nursery but uh, the stars aligned for us to get Jimmy well enough. And all the approvals in place through Qantas to travel with oxygen back to Darwin and get, the, get, you know, get that, that was a major step, 3,000 close, days closer to home. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. And, and,
1: and, and so, all of those steps that you're sort of describing that sound like linear progress, you know, um, and each one gives you a little more hope than the one before. I'm sure it wasn't linear. I'm sure it wasn't always stepping no. forward, was
2: it? That's right. So you uh you, you tend to step one step forward one step back one step forward two steps forward then another step back it's all it's just a constant journey of of pushing them just a little bit and then having them pull back a little bit and go no I'm not quite ready yet give me another day or two I'll try again and uh mm-hmm. and you know getting the specialist to think about it a bit more and and go what can we do to make this little journey a little easier for him um And so there was lots of that, yes, and definitely not linear. And uh, as I think one of our neonatologists put it, is Jimmy starting out where he did, so small and so far behind the eight ball. uh, There's no books written about this. They don't learn. He's not a typical case. They don't learn about this in university. They don't go, this is a set pathway for someone who is 400 grams. It just doesn't exist. There's nothing written about this. It is... Gut feeling the whole way through. And as she put it to us on the first few days of, uh, or first few weeks of life, is that he got to write his own book. And that's the way it was. It was, yeah. wasn't going to follow any textbook. There's, <laughs> there's really no information written about these kids other than the odd few that survive and, and their journeys. Yeah, mate. I
1: mean, and how often is that true for all of us in this particular tribe that? that you're blazing a trail, that it, it seems like there are certain things that are known that you can rely upon, but in every individual case, you seem to be the first one who's ever done this or the first one who's ever been through this,
2: and you have to kind of make it up as you go along, don't you? It's, it's just incredible. That's it, and it doesn't finish when you leave Nikki. Mm. It just goes on and on and on and on and on, and, and we're still doing it today. We still feel like they're the first people to... Yeah, to, to, to do the things that we're doing now. Can I
1: tell you one story about that? My son, Christopher, who's now 25, quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, he, he controls his devices with a switch that he taps with his head. He's got it in his mind now that he wants to be a drone pilot, um, which he actually is. He's doing some videography and photography by flying a drone using a switch. I'll tell you about that sometime, about how that works. But, you know, we, we show up at Aviation Australia to do their certificate four course in um, in uh, autonomous piloting of an aircraft and nobody's ever heard of this before. So he's the first quadriplegic person in Australia to be doing this, that, according to them. I mean, that's an, that's an exaggerated example, but you're right. Every single thing you do, it seems to be nobody's ever done this before and um, people try to help, but they seem to not. But necessarily no. Anyway, I, I know that's yeah. a whole that's a whole story there. Can you can you tell us about the um, the
2: kangaroo cuddles? Yeah, kangaroo cuddles. They were they were our moments that we got with our kids that we actually got to cuddle them. So most of the time, when uh, you're in NICU, as, as all, most of our listeners would appreciate, they're stuck in a little glass box, mm-hmm. and you look at them from the outside they're yeah. inside and, and that's their little world that's their safe spot yeah. and by necessity that's where they need to be because uh without that um of course they're, they're not here so yeah um jimmy being on a ventilator was notoriously difficult to move around You dislodge that tube and and uh alarm bells start ringing and uh and and once again you've got a dozen people standing around trying to rectify and, and get uh him back in the land living so uh, for the first three weeks of life we got to put our hands in on him we got to sit there and talk to him Um, but we really didn't get a cuddle uh, as such and uh, and then one day it came out about that uh, I can't remember what the situation was exactly but I know that most of the things most of the positive interactions that we got with jimmy uh uh, on a personal level happened while our main neonatologist wasn't there and uh, that we had an active one or a filling one or a cheeky nurse who just allowed us to do things that um, (laughs) (laughs) he probably may not have been uh okay with god bless that person yeah exactly all right so i reckon it may have even been a male nurse and uh and whether it wasn't or doesn't really matter but they were very uh uh, had a little bit more experience maybe and uh, decided that it was time for us to have a cuddle and and uh and and get close and get to know jimmy just a little bit better and he'd been missing out too much so it's secured all the lines and um and, and kangaroo cuddles uh, to explain to our viewers uh, listeners that's maybe some of them know what this I'm, means i'm sure some uh, do yeah but yeah, there may be some who, who haven't heard the term so go ahead yeah so um so it's where you get just skin-to-skin contact, basically. You uh, put your little bub down the and the front of your shirt and, and they rest on your chest so they can hear your heartbeat and hear your voice and you can just gently talk or sing or just say nothing, just sit there and know that they're close to you and you can feel them on your chest and, and they can feel you and and get used to those sounds that, well, they would have been used to listening in utero anyway, so uh, it'd be very familiar yeah, space for but- them yeah 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 And so, so you, yes. you have you, you got to do that a lot after that first time, did you or did that was that a rare event? It was a rare event in the first instance. Um, we were doing it lots with Alex because we were able to get him in and out. Uh, he was doing quite well by that stage again so um, but uh, yeah Jimmy, I think it was another. It was probably more than a couple of weeks further on before I got to have a cuddle with him. Um, So we were quite lucky in that aspect to have that initial cuddle. I think Deb may have had a couple in that first instance. Um, But once he graduated onto the next stage of ventilation, that was something that made it just a little bit easier and and we certainly made that a more regular occurrence that he was out, he was close, um, and then uh, he knew we were there. Yeah. I mean, we we would sit beside both their cribs each day and read stories, tell stories, talk to them, um, so they knew that we were there, so that they Wonderful. got used to yeah. our voice. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what it would have sounded like compared to being uh, in the oven, so to speak. But um, it, I'm, I'm sure there were some similarities there where they were they knew who we were. I'm not a specialist, of course, and I know you aren't, but it, it just strikes me
1: that when we're dealing with these kind of extreme circumstances, hey, um, the extra times that we make contact, the extra times we are present for each other and for the kids, the the extra cuddles, the extra reading, all of those things that kind of maybe are all we've got at the time, or they're therapy, or they're part of a regimen, whatever. Those things, it's, it's impossible to measure, isn't it, how much you know, a child who doesn't have those things is missing out on, you know, and how yeah, much yeah. We're, we're gaining, you know, in this time of terrible loss, we're gaining something that
2: we might not have had otherwise. That's right. The impact is on both the, the adult and the child. So Absolutely. It's, uh growing that bond that, uh, that, you know, in, if I say in inverted commas, normal uh, pregnancy and childbirth and child rearing just happened naturally um but we we seem to need to force it to make it happen and then but it's so much sweeter at the same time because we appreciate it just that little bit more
1: i think and it's not a criticism of anybody of course it's just the reality i think that because you have to be so close and so constant and spending time and, and 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 energy and presence with each other that that's something that may not have happened otherwise uh, if there were no circumstances. So it just occurs to me, you know, the swings and roundabouts there's there's things going on. I I um let's do one more thing about Niku if you don't mind and then we'll move on. I know that you I'm not asking you to speak for your wife. Um um she's not able to be part of the conversation, but can I ask you for your perspective as a dad, you know, as the bloke in this whole 5 month um ordeal experience whatever you would call it what did 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 things occur to you about her you know watching her cope with it watching her um deal with things What, what would you say you know about that from a from
2: a male perspective i think she handled it um quite well her medical background was both a blessing and a hindrance at the same time because she understood the jargon and she knew a little bit about what to expect and when it's your own child that can be quite a lot more difficult so uh, managing those feelings around that and letting things happen as they need to um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of challenges around that whereas I was oblivious and just went yeah okay that's got to be done so yeah hopefully comes back um, and so you know her a love for those two children um, that she'd carried for, you know, that, that I think there's a bond there. There's there's, a, there's an undeniable bond right from the word go, you know, that they've been so close for so long. Yeah. Um, and so that, it, it changes, it, it's it's different from the male perspective because we don't, we've got to make that bond later. It mm. doesn't happen as naturally. Not at, yeah, not in the same That's, way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and I think I felt that a little bit with Jim because we really didn't get a lot of time together for a start off. Mm. um, uh, You know, with his uh, specialist needs that he required in those first few months, meant that uh, my contact with him was somewhat limited. And and Alex uh, and I have a, a very tight bond, and that. Stemmed back from very right from the very start, as I could do more for him, and uh, and then that continued on after Nico' experience. He didn't stay as long in the in the NICU, so he was out around his birthday in uh, late October. Well, when his birthday should have been in late October, um, and so he was staying in the room with us while we were travelling backwards and forwards to to see Jim for those for that remaining. Uh, time they used to jump in the crib with him when we were allowed to put him back in the same crib as him uh, as, he, as he progressed and got a bit older, which so that they, they're allowed to have their twin moments because they really did have a bond together. And even now, they you, you catch them in the same bed quite a lot, so you know they still have that bond, which is which is pretty awesome. But, um,
1: yeah, yeah, you
2: know, poor Deb. She really, she, she had to stay the whole five months, of course, so, so we didn't see her back. She didn't get to go home um, for that entire time. That was her home. She was uh, very busy. Um as lots of peas out there with no um, pumping breast milk so that we could give them the mm. best start that we were able to. Uh, mm. as, as a semi-full-time job just in itself, let alone uh, making sure that they were both okay. So, um, she's a champion. She managed to pull it off. And, uh, and I remember in the nights, um, you know, we had a fairly strict regime of, um, of pumping milk, uh, you know, over the night as well. It was no rest for the weekend, so to speak. So I would get up and, and help her get organized and, I'd just find something to do, do some sit-ups at the end of the bed or something just to make sure that she wasn't doing this herself, all, all by herself on a, on a loan. Um, we're a partnership. We're doing this thing together. So, Good on you, mate. I tell you um, what. Yeah. Okay, look, um,
1: I've just finished. I'll put this in. It's not an advertisement, but it might become one. <laughs> I've just finished reading The Invisible Life of Us, you know, Mandy and Kate's book. And uh, they talk; about, they have an entire chapter about NICU and special care and that experience for them, which was really opened my eyes. You know, it was brilliant to, to get their perspective on those things. Um, and Mandy talks about she coins the phrase uh, "premature pre, uh, premie prejudice," where there's this sense that oh, you know, our stay in NICU was longer or shorter, or you know, our, our birth was earlier or later, and, and there there can sometimes be this sense of well, who's having a harder time here, you or me? And, and, of course, this has nothing to do with that. This is simply telling your story, and I, I'm so pleased that you have, and quite clearly the P's have wanted to hear more about it. Um, and we're going to move out of NICU, if that's all right, or did you want to tell us any more about that
2: just now? Oh, the, the, only that the people who work within that setting are just incredible. They, mm, yeah. um, you know, they're the reason that success occurs, and, and they're very dedicated, and uh, I've got a lot of gratitude for them. They did a marvelous job, and so they you, continue, of course. That's great to hear, mate. Yeah, you didn't hear, you didn't encounter any
1: negative interactions with any of the staff. Well,
2: I think I'd be lying if I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> whatever but, words, you're uh, dead, yeah well, you're yeah, so we, you're gonna have to come yes, across somebody right. aren't you exactly and the, the, you know some people just are never made to get along with other people so <laughs> yeah, that's that's just the way it is and and so you've politely moved <laughs> past that and uh, and there were the, the yeah the, the odd time i just can't think of an exact moment but i can I, I can see the lady's face, <laughs> but, yeah, but that's I, all right. What? We move on, and um, oh. and the outcomes are good. There's, uh, you know, like I mentioned last time, is the, I remember the very young girl who made the the drug yes, error that right. helped Jim yeah. succeed yeah. in one of his uh, in one of his steps up in ventilation. It, so yeah, yeah, you know, and certainly I don't hold any um bad feelings against her and she you know i remember her coming to us so nervous and and so upset that she'd made this drug error and and i absolute respect for her to come forward and own up to it and and own it um but it was one of the factors that helped him progress onto the next thing so it was a little blessing in disguise um yeah, I mean there are mistakes on the one hand,
1: and then there's bad attitude on the other. And as you say, some people just can't really get on with
2: anyone. <laughs> no, that's right. That, um, that is life, and that, that continues on. It doesn't just happen. To Nikki, that's sure. part of the whole journey. And exactly. We come across, exactly. We come across people who we wonder how much of best interest of the children they have at the time, but uh, but yeah, you just move past those people and keep moving to where you need to be. Yeah, we do. I mentioned the book a
1: second ago. Let me just go back to that for one minute, and then we'll move on. I I was um, very en- I enjoyed a lot of the um, the the very real raw humour of both Kate and Mandy. You know, which is probably not saying anything because you all already know that. But there's a section in there about it, it, the chapter called. Um, Don't know. Don't care whether it's a boy or a girl, as long as it's healthy. You know that conversation that so many people have as as we're expecting um, is, "Do you want a boy or a girl?" I don't care as long as it's healthy. You know, and there's a whole they unpack that entire dynamic about what is healthy and what is a valued child and so on, and uh, they've come up with uh, responses to make when somebody says, "Do you prefer a boy or a girl?" And I really like this one. Uh, Look, to be honest, we've had a good think about it as parents, and we've decided. We just don't want our offspring to be a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) What more could you want? Isn't that a classic? I mean, who cares whether it's a boy or a girl? As long as it's not a dickhead, and that's really got to do with how I'm going to make my contribution as a parent too.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more
1: let's move on so you come out of um that whole intense journey and you're back home you're trying to establish a routine you're trying to get a a home life going just just talk us through those first few years you know
2: uh, when you're getting things up and running yeah well let's go back to the first few days when we finally got out of brisbane and back to darwin must have been incredible uh, well yeah incredible and the nervous flight over um you know, no telling exactly how uh, Jim was going to respond up in the air, even though we had oxygen with us um, and he was on full-time oxygen. But uh, that was all positive. We, we we got to spend a couple of days in the special care nursery in Darwin, to which point they looked at us and went, I'm not sure why you're here because you're doing everything and we don't know what to do. So, we might as well let you go home because I can't see that we're adding anything. And so <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. just a few days before Christmas, we got home. Um, wow. So it was, a, it was very timely. And, uh, and yeah, so in those first few weeks at home, um, just establishing some sort of routine, uh, it's it's just a continuation on where you've been, but you're a little bit more nervous because you, there's no machine sitting there telling you what, Your blood oxygen levels are, and your heart rate, and no one beeping at you, and uh, no, you know, the the crib next door is not beeping, and it's it's just a totally different experience, and uh, and and so you're just left to your own devices without all those safeguards in place. So, I guess you're a bit nervous, but I found um, myself still
1: taking notes you know when we got home as we'd been doing in the hospital just keep charting things you know because they they let us chart some things i just kept doing it because it just felt like that's what you have to do
2: yeah but, uh, but... you suddenly ought to feel like you're on your own that's right well we wondered if there wasn't some way of keeping track of uh blood, ox- blood oxygen levels but they looked at us and said don't you dare <laughs> you're, you're unplugged now forget about that just oh, go okay. home and enjoy it okay and, uh, and and so off we went and yeah it's um yeah Darwin that time of the year it's pretty warm um so we spend, we spend a lot of time outside uh sorry inside in the air conditioning um, as uh they're still a little bit fragile and delicate but uh yeah learning how to to travel to uh, you know, little people that are so small is, is challenging and um, learning how to get them comfortable in a in a in a pram with an oxygen bottle was a challenge and um, there's one memory that really sticks with me and that's the first time we put them in the pool uh, given the water's nice and warm oh, yeah. we, uh, yeah. we did we did get to take them for a swim don't remember the exact timeline but Alex uh, it's it's the first time we really heard Alex laugh he is just had it in my arms floating on his back. Yeah. Uh, in in the pool and he giggled and he giggled oh, and he man. giggled. And that is just one memory that'll oh, always stay with me, that that God. sound. And he's still got that infectious laugh now and and is, you know, when things are going well, it's uh it's pretty hard when if he starts laughing, the whole room starts laughing with him. So it's uh <sighs> that yeah, and that started brilliant. way back then. So
1: You kind of get so, the feeling in that moment, don't you, that well I did, um this we could probably this will be okay we're gonna we're gonna get through this you know hearing yeah. that laugh yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> and you yeah. so you're working at this stage
2: you're going out to work and coming home each day is that right yeah I, I suppose we probably had a couple of weeks off there first back at home but then yes yeah, so I continued to work after that um, and uh, and yep they had we had uh, parents or parents-in-law um, helping out around the house and and trying to Keepers in order um, I don't remember exactly when all that uh, slowly dwindled off but um, so how's uh, that things, relationship things
1: that... been you know with the parents and the parents in law because that's it's a really difficult kind of a fit sometimes have they it sort is... of moved in with the, with the idea from the start and been there for you and done their best to
2: understand what's happening yeah they've both put in stellar efforts um, I think uh, I think neither parents have necessarily felt they've had the skills to handle them yeah. on their own. So we, I guess, um, there's, you know, we've, we've combined them together and, and left them in their care as, as a, a foursome, <laughs> I suppose, Yeah. Uh, so that okay. they know that, uh, they've got each other to back themselves up. But, um, oh, that's nice. Really they're, um, they were just too complicated. And, yeah. and I guess we were just a little too scared as well to, to go venturing too far away, um, after the history that we'd had to date, um, and it, yeah, so we. Um,
1: so um, that, I mean that's brilliant. Uh, so you're back and forward to hospital, I guess, in those first few years.
2: Well, yes, that's right. There was lots of appointments, checkups, all of these things, and and unfortunately, uh, Jimmy had uh, an incident in um so we got home in december and in april that next year where uh deb had been to an appointment and we were a little bit concerned about him he, he just didn't seem to be uh keeping as well he wasn't as vigorous he wasn't as he just wasn't as as lively as he would normally be um and so he just had a little checkup from uh, from the most senior pediatric doctor that we had in darwin and um She was on her way home and uh, had uh, ducked into Bunnings to grab something for the garden possibly, I I don't remember, and I was at work uh, after being to that appointment. Um, And uh, she had her dad with her and and, uh, ducked inside and and uh, her dad was in the car waiting for her to come out and was keeping an eye on the two boys and and noticed that uh, Jimmy had changed colour a little bit and started to get a little bit worried. Um, he'd uh, it got quite worried to the point of um, taking him out of the car and, and seeking Deb to find out what was, you know, something wasn't right and wasn't correct and, and she found, she was coming out of bunnies by that time and found him coming across the car park going, what's going on? Why has he got a child? And, and he'd, uh, he'd stopped breathing. Um, and so we, they managed to get through that situation, uh, turned up oxygen. There was a whole myriad of things that happened in that time there that, um, that don't don't matter now, but, uh, that mattered at the time. And, and eventually Mm. they, they got back to the hospital. I got a call, uh, to say, you know, something's not right. We're heading back to hospital. The meat there. And he was flown back to Brisbane, for an emergency uh, scope, because wow. we didn't know what was going on uh, and what was why it was happening. So, in that instant, life changed again. Um, packed up, put on an aeroplane, sent back to Brisbane, um, and and it turned out that in the process of going through the NICU of being ventilated, uh, you can have small growths around the vocal cords that appear because of uh, mm, the, intubation. The, the, the touch, the intubation, the, mm. the, the pipes that run past. And so that had caused a little cyst to grow there. Right. And it was no longer little. And as soon as they put him to sleep and, and looked down, the anaesthetist said, I think I found your fr- Sam's problem. Mm. And he said, uh, look down here. And well, they reported back to us that he had a 95% occlusion, which means he oh, was breathing gross. through a pinhole. Yeah. And the cyst was so big. Oh. And so they sorted that out. They did have a bit of a look around the rest of it and couldn't find anything else wrong. And and, uh, and when he came out of anaesthetic, he was on oxygen for a little while, for the next day or so, and then we slowly just weaned him off. But apparently yeah. the whole reason he wasn't doing so well was because he just couldn't breathe. And
1: uh,
2: And was it partly
1: that kind of event? that sort of forced you to think about moving closer to Brisbane?
2: That certainly was one of the precipitators. Unfortunately, the next month, Alex had an episode as well, so they took in turns. That's a thing with twins. Mm. Uh, We were told in the first instance that the twin journey is never uh, (laughs) up and down. It's always one up, one down, and then (laughs) they swap around. Yeah. And so that very next month, Alex had... um, Another bowel issue, which uh, caused an, uh, an acute blockage, and so we were once again back on aeroplane, back to Brisbane, um, where they rep- they uh, went inside and, and repaired that uh, okay. that blockage. And so it was about then that we went. Now we're just being a bit silly. Clearly, that these boys are still fairly complicated, and that's yeah. uh, two in two months. Yep. return flights to Brisbane for life-saving surgeries neither of those boys yep. would have survived if we hadn't had that access yep. to that right and so we we'd been uh, realizing too that uh, that therapists in Darwin are awesome yeah they're just as good as anywhere else but there's only one there's the population base isn't very big up there and right and so if your physio is sick or if they're we want to go on holidays yeah, yeah, exactly, or they just need yeah. time out, there's no one left. There's yeah. nothing more up there. So we, we we decided to make the, we started making a plan. And uh, and uh, the end of November, start of December that year, we relocated to the Sunshine Coast.
1: That's a big wrench, isn't it? I mean, it's to make such a huge move, but obviously um, it was necessary. And you've been here ever since. Um, yeah. So at what what stage did you take over as the stay-at-home dad?
2: Well, that was about the stage. I haven't worked since then. (laughs) Well, you haven't worked for money, let's put it that way. That's right. I haven't worked for money, correct. Um, It was uh, also around the time where we um, found out that uh, Deb was pregnant again. So... Um, that came as a bit of a surprise to us, um, and so that threw our life into absolute chaos for a little bit. Uh, a <laughs> little bit scared about how we were going to yes. actually oh, yeah. look after these two little boys and our two older boys and mm-hmm. a new baby at the same time. Um, certainly feeling stretched already. What were we going to do? But yeah, uh, so, uh, and, and unfortunately, Deb gets woefully unwell during pregnancy, um, and being at the, the the beck and call of two uh, difficult children um, was hard enough when you weren't unwell at the same time. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And so we decided that um, about then when we'd, we'd moved over here that uh, um, Deb had already returned to work part-time um that she would continue working part-time because it was a um it was a condition that she could manage she was in an air-conditioned building she could manage the patients that the, that she saw she could manage her um environment quite sure. well yeah um and it just meant that she had to keep pumping milk <laughs> mm. <laughs> which you know she was a she was a uh a stellar mum cow. She produced plenty and, and it, it, it got us through. It got us right through. And those boys I'm are glad so you lucky. You used those she... words,
1: not me.
2: No, that's right. We keep joking that uh, she was a brilliant Jersey cow, lots of nice, creamy milk. And those boys just, <laughs> just flourished on it. So,
1: yeah.
2: How, how did you. I mean, here's two blokes having a
1: yarn I don't think either of us ever expected to have uh, in years no. gone by. But uh, so. The pregnancy was okay this time through? How did she go? Pregnancy
2: was relatively uncomplicated this time. Um, We we got uh, right to the the very end and and booked in for a caesarean. And uh, and the day came for Caesar and Jimmy was diagnosed with whooping cough. Uh Anyone who knows, whooping cough doesn't go well with Uh uh, newborn babies. So that was delayed. Uh, And he was in hospital for a little while. Um, until he got over that, of course. um But uh yeah, that's a fairly, <laughs> fairly major setback at the time. Uh-huh. that's just another one of our little hurdles that we had to navigate around. And, <laughs> and you, anyways, you have uh, a little
1: girl from that.
2: We have a little girl from that. So we, and
1: how is she? She good? She's doing all right.
2: She's awesome. Yep. She's doing, <laughs> she's, so she's got to be seven, seven, six, she's she seven. Yes. Yeah, seven. Um, and okay. uh, you know going from having four boys to one girl oh my god did the rules <laughs> changed <laughs> uh, well we
1: could explore that um, <laughs> let's let's talk about that sometime I, I, so now you've got this little family unit you've established a place to, to live while you deal with those early years and so on you must have I'm just still aware that, that I'm not uh, I, we, we've got time going by. I would love to hear about your schooling experiences. Yeah, and I right, know that so many people do. So, that's how did pop you? Forward a little bit then. Yeah, let's do that. How did you begin the journey? And then tell us a little bit about. I mean, there's so many questions, but just tell
2: us the schooling story for Alex and yeah. Jim. Right, yeah. So we we um, we started with a bit of in-home care help because we had three under three. It was pretty hectic. Yeah. Um, there came a point where we went, we really need to socialise these kids and and started doing a little bit of daycare a couple of days a week um, and then into our kindy year uh, where they were um, doing kindy yeah, as, as part of the daycare program. Um, that went uh, up and down, of course. Alex was still a difficult customer um, and... Uh, well, Jimmy seemed to enjoy being social, so that was okay. But um, you know, th- there was so much, you know, from from uh, one day where he just didn't drink anything in the time that he was there. You know, all these little hiccups that, um, mm-hmm. and, and staff not knowing really what to do, mm-hmm. uh, even with our careful guidance. You know, it, um, <sighs> there was still still plenty of challenges. Um, and, and then we also started knowing that when we'd had Alex's diagnosis of um, you know, level 4-5 CP quadriplegic, mm. um, uh, he also attended uh, what they call ECDP in Queensland, which is like a special kindy for, for kids with, uh, with extra needs. And, uh, but Alex never took to it. He really enjoyed mainstream kindergarten. Mm-hmm. He really enjoyed being amongst uh all those kids you mm-hmm. know, sitting in the sandpit doing stuff with them yeah uh, of course he needed plenty of support in doing that uh but that's where he preferred to be that's where he wanted to be he wanted to be the right, kid yeah. in the sandpit playing with cars on the floor you know playing chasey and so what did you do the more well i think about it the more i look back and go he just didn't see himself as being any different to anyone else mm-hmm. uh any mm-hmm. any other average kid that wanted to do you know mm-hmm. all those things yes um so the choice Going to school was, uh, was special care, special school, or uh, mainstream. And with his reaction to it, this, the, the kids that were clearly going to be in his cohort at special school, there was yep. no question about yep. him going there and that just wasn't going to work. Right. So he right. decided to challenge the mainstream system and see how we <laughs> go. Yeah. So mainstream
1: was best for him. How did the mainstream react to him? How did they accommodate him? along the way how's that been as a journey
2: well i think anyone who's been through these journeys knows that it's only as good as the people that you're dealing with yeah Um, and we've been extremely lucky just incredibly Mm -hmm. lucky that uh the head of special education of our mainstream school is nothing short of awesome and she has made it her uh i don't know what you'd call it her project i suppose of making sure that this succeeds, and oh man, um, that is so good to hear. Yeah, and and she's pulled out. For, it was a little bit slow for a start off. She probably didn't realise how fast she could push things. But mm. but um, you know we got included in those first. And in, in so we went to prep. Jimmy and Alex in the same class. Uh, it was it was a good class. It had two teachers, so that, that we were able to spread the load a little bit, and they were awesome, and. That year went through there. You know, we, we had uh, our case manager at school. I think it took a while for Alex to infiltrate her. <laughs> I suppose that's the right word. <laughs> um, she she was she was set to task about uh, everything that he required, and 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 to her credit, she did a lot of research, and she she thought that she had lots of answers um, for it. Um, and I guess I learned a lot of diplomacy that first year, uh, a lot of holding my tongue and trying to guide oh, right. and using, uh, using specialists in their own field, such as um, equipment suppliers and trial equipment that we'd organise at school so that we could uh, throw a bit of that um, experience into the mix there and, and so that the people working with Alex could understand exactly oh, uh, idea, mate. what yeah. that he required and, and how best because because their relationship, the the teachers, or the special needs and the assistance uh, teachers there, I'm sure that they get a lot of parents who are very strong-willed and they just want them to go away and leave them alone and let them do their job. And so yeah. I think we're just another parent that fit into that case. And, but by having people... Outside of us being there and telling them what yes. they thought they needed they to didn't do, have to argue it holds with a lot more. Then. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, it w- it wasn't seen as as attack from the parents about you're not doing a good enough job. It was a that's learning experience mate. for them. That is really um,
1: wise. Yeah, that's I think wise.
2: that's something that um, that worked quite well for us, and and I use it again. And again, I continue to use it because it works so well, and. And, and you get some mutual respect then as well. You go, oh, I, I see what you're saying now, and that's a really good idea. Perhaps we could do this, and, and Mate, on you go.
1: It's a great aspect of advocating for your kids is that you don't have to be the the sole advocate, do you? Like you can bring in the, right. the big guns and you can you can do it in a way that might actually uh, take some of the load off you and actually get a better outcome. That's that's brilliant.
2: Yeah, yeah. and And I think that the second part of our story is that, we found someone uh, early in the kids' lives to become uh, to help us out with um, in-home daycare program, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and she is such an asset. She was quite young when we when met her, and and she had an interest in in disability, and she continued on and educated herself. And when the boys went to school, um, she managed to get on as a teacher aide at the school, which worked in our favour immensely because mm-hmm. uh, because she was able to give some guidance to the people at school. That she, were working has with Alex. she has
1: an income. She's she, she has an learn. income, yep. yeah,
2: and and she also is able to have input and educate the people who are working with Alex. Yeah. Uh, and so that um, wow. then had a, you know, it's also made our minds a little bit more at ease because we knew that she was there, and if something wasn't quite right, she'd be the first person that they talked to before they called us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, lots of stuff was very easily sorted out in that way. Now, her job wasn't to be with Alex the whole time; she was uh, learning about other kids and and okay. and uh, and doing that and using her and gaining experience with all sorts of, of uh, children's needs. Um, but but she was able to. Uh, also expressed to them that he was so much more than what they gave him credit for. He was able to do a lot more, oh, wow. and that and his capacity was to be a lot more than they expected. So that that Jeez, enabled them gem. to, yeah, absolutely, and that that enabled him to grow as well. So that they were he was pushed a little bit harder, and so, so that's his, his but experience. But not too hard, yeah. But not too it was hard. That's right for him. He's, and she's still with your family. Yes, yeah, so she's um, she did that for the first year and a bit, and then um, she started her beautiful little family, and so um, she left us then for a little while, and we fast forward a little bit longer, and all of a sudden, COVID's upon us, and um, and we're trying to do homeschooling at school. So that uh, yeah. at home, sorry. At <laughs> at sorry. Home, yeah. Schooling, yes. <laughs> schooling at home. Yes. And yes. schooling, Alex, is, is a full time job on its own, let alone two other wow. children, uh, a twin and, and someone younger. Was, and then the two older ones, well, they were pretty self sufficient. But um, uh, it was about then that I made a phone call to a um, good friend, Shani. I don't think she'd mind me losing her name. And asked her how she was going and, and what she was up to at the time and, and she was busy on her own little adventure, um, still working with children uh, but from her home because that fitted her um, current situation. She was able to do that and and look after her, her son and uh, so I suggested to her that there was an opening here if she should uh, like to consider it to come back and work with Alex um, and I thought that, that might be a really good fit, giving her experience and her knowledge and, um, you yeah, know, it was a way of reconnecting with her uh, as well and uh, she called me back in in a week or so and said, I would absolutely love to come back and work with you guys. So, so what so does she do? Been... What's her role? So... <laughs> So we've, we've brought her back in as an NDIS carer for Alex. Okay, um, yep. She is able to uh, facilitate everything that he needs um, and, and she has started uh, delivering a little bit of education to him and has been in, uh, an inter- integral part of um, his learning now. Yes, um, yeah. Which is, which is just awesome and, and he's learning, he is now in grade three um and we've had a conversation with uh school after when we first come back after our first covid lockdown here in Queensland which was the same for everyone um i called our head of special education and said to her have you noticed how what sort of work alex has been doing lately i said i'm really impressed at his uh, how fast he's been picking up and, and how much throwing. work he's actually, yeah <laughs> he had been absolutely <laughs> thriving. The work that he'd been doing was just astounding. And she said, yes, I have noticed. Uh, so I said, to her, the next word was, do you think that this is something we could continue? Is there mm, something, mm. is there some way of negotiating a better outcome here for Alice? Because all of a sudden he's catching up to his class. He's not falling behind as he mm. was, being in class um he was having trouble keeping up with the class he was uh, because everything that he does he learns he learns just that bit slower but then to react to it and respond to what they're doing also takes him longer because he uses uh, an eye gaze computer for communication yeah um as well as many other um you know sight things spelling words and 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 things that um that the regular kids yeah, are, you know, are well passed. Yeah. Um, and so she said, okay, um, let's do a little trial. It was was back when um, when the kids that were vulnerable didn't need to be at school still. Yes. She said, let's do a little trial. We'll do some benchmarking now. We'll do some benchmarking in uh, another couple of months when it's the end of, end of term and we'll make some decisions based on that. Well, he thrived in that. That next six weeks, he just absolutely thrived in it. Where the school was uh, supplying us with work, and we were delivering it at home. Yep. And so it was essentially distance education. Well, distance education with a difference because it wasn't because so distant, it's unique. Because we get well, help. <laughs> help was just around the corner if we needed. True, it. but um, I mean,
1: it wasn't classroom. Uh, wasn't uh, classroom based uh, education, yes. and it was tailored specifically for him. So you know, it was that's... modified
2: to help us manage through it a little easier with his responses, yeah, um, yeah. but it was still at peer level, of course. And so we started negotiating with Education Queensland, or at least our head of special education did, and and this is where she really shines in that she went back and back and back uh, until she got what we were looking for, and and that was. Um, we now focus on numeracy and literacy at home. Um, and he attends school for all the fun stuff, all the social sciences, okay. uh, <laughs> the, the arts, the drama, the music, um, all the fun stuff. And he, because he loves hanging out with his peers. Because that's what we I was couldn't remove ask him. him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about we could not, next thing? We
2: just couldn't take him out of school. He's, yeah. He just loves hanging out with kids his own age. And he's got some really special friends uh, wow. that just ad- adore him. And, and within his school, being a mainstream school, he is a superstar. He, ha- he is the coolest kid <laughs> yeah. on the block. He's got this awesome set of wheels he, for listeners that don't yep. know. He has a power wheelchair. He has a, an eye gaze computer, so he's got a computer attached yeah, to that. He's the all the time. The yeah, he's got a kit. Often there's an iPad <laughs> sitting down there as well. He's the only kid in year three that has access to the internet. And so he's, he's just... Just bordering upon legend. And he's not <laughs> shy about like all the attention. He's quite not likes shy it. about yes. okay. just
1: loves it. <laughs> so, for him, so, that's the perfect fit academically and socially.
2: That's how how about Jim?
1: What's going on with him?
2: So, Jim's story is a little bit different. He's, um, he's been doing quite well at school, but we noticed in that first year of school that he was in competition for friends with Alex. So, we had to make a decision after that first year about what we were going to do. Uh, going into grade one, and the clear uh, uh, answer was to separate them because, well, Alex was, uh, you know, a bit of a favourite amongst all the kids. Uh, Jim was competing with him for right. Friends in the Sandpit or whatever he wanted to do. Okay, now, He's hung out with Alex all the time. He wanted to do, you know, he had his own interests that he liked to uh, build on as well. Sure. And so um we decided to separate them um at the end of prep so in going into year 1 and we took it, we took it slightly further in that uh our older boys went to a different school uh and so we went as far as going well if he's likely to end up in that school anyway let's do it now mm-hmm. let's do it while he's young enough to still make good friends good buddies okay
1: and, and, was that a good, and so he went to
2: good a who? good it took him a little while to settle in. I <laughs> will admit that, yeah, um, and he and he still loves all the friends that he made in in uh, in prep at uh, at the, at Alex's yeah. school. But uh, he's just done so well. So it's a big move. Um, yeah, so you
1: you've helped him to make the transition, and you reckon he'll be all right with that.
2: He'll be all right. He so just for the benefit of the listeners, he. Uh, has CP as well. Mm. He, um, he's not as quick as everyone else. He has poor balance. He um, has some motor planning issues. Um, and, but they're all things that he can build on. And when we've been building on, we've been working with physios and his speech. He's had lots of um, um, sensory issues. Given that he had a tube down his throat for the first six weeks mm-hmm. of life, it yeah. tends to set them up for that. Um, but we're working through it, you know. At um, when he was about three, we watched him fall flat off a playground, just about a meter and a half flat on his back, and we thought he was dead, just like that. His balance, just he just didn't he just quite fell. have it. He just fell. He was just standing up on on a playground, and then he just mm. flat on the sand underneath. Were you there? You saw it happen. I don't think either. I think it was a split second when we'd taken our eyes off him to do mm. something for Alex. Yeah, and That's and turned around and he so. wasn't there. Oh. And he was flat on the ground. Our know, hearts in our throats, running mm-hmm. over to see. You know, we weren't that far away, but but um, you know, after all the other scares, <laughs> it's just
1: you uh, never so, get to relax do you Not you just really. don't get to relax they're Not just, really. that,
2: they're just uh. born to scare the shit out of you at every moment and, and <laughs> yes yes because these things are life and death sometimes aren't they uh. they are so all those things rolled together and but but you wouldn't know for an untrained eye and you meet jim you wouldn't know that he was any different to any other kid he, other than he's you know you you set him in a straight line run and he's probably the last one to get there but yeah, uh, You know, he, we constantly challenge him. We constantly challenge his balance, challenge his brain, challenge everything about him. Um, and, and he just keeps growing and he's doing marvellous. He's, he's just an absolute inspiration going from this small little scun rabbit that fit in my hand. Uh, and I don't have big hands. Um, to being this awesomely inspirational boy with a cheeky, cheeky laugh and uh, he plays soccer. Every year, it gives it his best. Uh, um, yeah, and he's, he's just doing awesomely. Um, and so they they're both they're both just little inspirations. Alex, oh my goodness, Alex is. You you think about where he's come from and the conversation, I had with the neonatologist that very first moment mm. when we learnt of his challenges. Uh, her saying to me that he's probably not going to have much quality of life Yeah. to him now being in a power wheelchair that he is, it's an emerging skill, the driving of that, but he loves being in it. He, he's using an eye gaze computer to talk to us. He uh, is able to control all sorts of stuff with his computer. Lots of stuff I haven't let him get, like the remote, the television <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, he just keeps raising the bar every time, we think that we may have found his limit. He goes, "No, I'm not there yet." What else can we do? And away we go. And and so, Trevor, there have been people listening to
1: this weeping, I'm quite sure, and laughing, and just completely captivated by this. So, and I'm one of them, mate. Thank you so much. Um, we we still haven't covered half the you know the thing, but we at least we've managed to fill in some of the blanks there you look good on you mate you and dev i, I just um heroes of mine and um I, I think alex is out with shani right now she's obviously you know a hero too but your two boys um are just so uh, it, it just melts my heart to hear their story and i'm so glad to know you and so much appreciate your wisdom today talking to us your your attitude uh, you know your approach to other people it's just there are so many things that you say that are, that go unsaid under the surface that really do mean a lot so I, I, I mean that when I say it thank you so much and hopefully maybe one day we can we can talk a little more and fill in some of those other blanks too but we probably better go now no so, worries so Thanks, it's,
2: Gary. it's nice to finish our high too because they you know they are well those good boys are my inspiration but, okay, you know, is-
1: the, the high we're finishing on is the reality. It's not We're not making this up. You, you, this is actually how it is now. And so, yes, it is a high. And uh, I hope that uh, all of you peas have enjoyed this ride as much as I have. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of the day. And uh, we might talk to you again soon. Bye for now.